0: Every jockey wants to be me right now. The words of Manny Franco, who rides Kentucky Derby favorite, tis the law. We'll chat with Manny Franco as the race draws near. Plus, we'll break down the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks, which right now shapes up as the more interesting of the two races. What could be better than Derby Week on this edition of In the Gate? They're in the gates. They're about to move in. They roll Simon.
1: They move to the top of the stretch.
0: It's a finish. This is In the Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In the Gate Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, And of course, in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please take a minute to rate and review the show. And while you're at it, how about going to America's Best Racing Twitter handle, at ABR, and letting those Mensa members know that this podcast, In The Gate, should be among their finalists for Best Podcast in their Fan Choice Awards coming up in November. We can only pull it off with your support, you know. Some people who listen to this show have experienced this moment before. Others of us can understand it, but have never been there. You toil away at your job, dutifully and diligently, for months or even years, waiting for that big break to come that will get you noticed, get you a promotion, maybe even make you a star in your world. In the sports world, how about Tom Brady taking over for Drew Bledsoe in 2001? Mike Piazza, a 60-second round pick in the Major League Baseball draft, making it to the Hall of Fame. And in horse racing, jockey Manny Franco sitting aboard the dominant three-year-old with the Kentucky Derby looming this Saturday. And the battle is joined
1: here. Uncle Chuck on the inside and Tiz the Law on the outside. They are heads apart for the lead. And Tiz the Law has the lead at the top of the stretch. It is Tiz the Law in front with three sixteenths to the finish. Tiz the Law has a four-length lead. He's left the others behind. It's Tiz the Law. He won the Belmont Stakes. He's gonna win the run, happy Travers, and now it's on to Kentucky as the favorite in the Derby. Here he is, Saratoga's hometown hero. Tiz the Law.
0: His the Law has won four grade one races, three of them this year. The Florida Derby, Belmont Stakes, first leg of this year's Triple Crown, not the final leg, and the Travers, as you just heard. But none of those races are called the Kentucky Derby. And what's the first question any rider is asked when talking about his or her career? Did you ever ride in or win the Derby? So even though he's been the leading rider in the ultra-competitive world of New York racing for the past two years, this is an awfully big moment for 25-year-old Manny Franco. So we're fortunate that he has a couple of minutes to talk to us here on In The Gate. First of all, how do you feel with the big race just in front of you?
2: I feel happy, you know, and can't wait for Saturday, September five, and just hopefully everything goes the right way. And what do you mean by the right way? The horse keeps down, going to the race, the way he's doing, you know, the way he's training, and try to get it done.
0: By the time the race goes off on Saturday afternoon, you'll have spent the entire week in Kentucky, away from your family, away from your day-to-day racing environment in New York. How have you prepared for this big change in your routine?
2: Yeah, it's tough, you know with the time we we live in, but we are lucky that we're doing what we love, riding, and I see it that that way, you know, thankful that we we are riding, doing what we love, and take it that that, that way and try to get
0: it done. With all due respect, you're surrounded at Saratoga by Eclipse Award-winning riders, the Ortiz brothers, Javier Castellano, John Velasquez, etc., did you ever think at any point that trainer Barkley Tag would prefer one of those guys to ride Tis the Law?
2: Not really, because he's been really loyal to me, so I respect that about, about him. So. He never gave me that worry before, so I just confidence with him.
0: Have any of the other riders we just mentioned given you any advice for how to handle all the buzz around the Kentucky Derby? Not really, no. Nah. Have you sought any advice from Angel Cordero, your Hall of Fame writer who's won three derbies? Course, he just he told me that
2: writer like like I know to do it and follow instructions and try to get it
0: done, you know? We're talking with Manny Franco here on In the Gate. He's got the best seat in the house on Saturday, the one aboard Belmont Stakes winner and Kentucky Derby favorite, tis the law. When the COVID shutdown happened in March, you chose not to leave New York to ride elsewhere, even though other tracks like Gulfstream kept racing, and as tracks started reopening, New York was one of the last to do so. What went into your decision to wait for New York to start?
2: Because of my family. I got I got my wife and a daughter, two-year-old daughter, so I just want to be with her, so... That was my decision, you know, to stay home after, after I grow in, in Florida.
0: Were you getting a little anxious at some point?
2: Nah, eh, not really, because I was with my family, like I say, enjoying my family. Uh, we don't have too many days to do it uh, when, when we're working, so... I decide to, to, you know, enjoy the, the time with, with them.
1: And the field is at the top of the stretch, and there goes Tis the Law now to take over. It's Tis the Law in front in the stretch, and there's an eighth of a mile to the finish. Dr. Post moves up on the outside into second, but it is Tis the Law, and the New York Red is going to win New York's. Belmont Stakes, the first leg of the 2020 Triple Crown. Tis the Law by four lengths.
0: Let's talk about Tis the Law himself. What do you notice the most when you ride him?
2: Uh, he's a very, very easy to ride horse. He's a very intelligent. That's that's why he's making him special because he he does whatever I ask. Most of the other horses not so. He's special
0: horse. Do you get on him in the mornings too?
2: Yes, a lot of times. So I'd be on him a lot, a lot of time, a lot of time in the mornings.
0: And he just took it to another level from his two to three-year-old season. What have you noticed about his maturity?
2: Now he's very, very mature. He's growing. He's doing everything the right way. He's more focused, so I kind of like that.
0: How does he handle his races and his surroundings differently now from when he first started?
2: He's a, a lot better right now, you know, like... He's hand, handling everything perfectly, and... Like I say, he's growing, you know? Two years ago,
0: the great European trainer Aidan O'Brien, who's won just about every major race in just about every corner of the world, called the Kentucky Derby... Savage after sending out Mendelssohn to finish last, how concerned are you about the physicality of twenty horses bumping and banging their way into that first turn?
2: I mean it's like you know you gotta be prepared, but when you got when you got a horse like like this the lot, he makes you job a lot easier because he's those kind of horses that you put in whatever you want it, and he, he gonna he's gonna be there for you so I think that's going to help me a lot for when, when that situation comes.
0: Having no spectators at Churchill will almost undoubtedly make things easier for the horse, but you won't have the spectacle we all know that the Kentucky Derby is. Which do you prefer?
2: I prefer that we're spectators, but like I said before, we gotta, we got to be thankful that we, we're doing what we love, riding in this time, so I take it. I know the support going to be there anyway, so I just like to, to think that way.
0: Well, we certainly wish you the best of luck, Manny Franco. Thank you so much for a few minutes, and good luck in the Derby. Thank you, boss. Thank you. Don't you dare go anywhere, because when we come back, it's time to break down both the Derby and the Oaks, which could very well turn out to be the more interesting race. Mike Joyce of TVG will stop by to do the honors when the In The Gate
3: podcast continues. For the second time in the 145-year history of the Kentucky Derby, the first time being at the end of World War II, we will move the day to the Derby. We sincerely regret any inconvenience this creates for our outstanding fans, whom I'm sure will understand that there is no doubt that this must be done.
0: It was back during the mushrooming of the pandemic on March 17th that Churchill Downs announced that the Kentucky Derby would be moved and amazingly here we are and it's hard to believe even now that it's labor day weekend and i'm talking about the kentucky derby like i know it's labor day weekend and that's when we're supposed to talk about the kentucky derby we've all known that all summer but it still feels weird doesn't it but here we are oaks and derby weekend and who better to help us break this down i can't believe he has never been on this podcast in the nine plus years we've done this mike joyce of tbg is with us what a pleasure this is mike i have to ask you first Before we get to the Oaks, which I think is the more interesting race, is this an open-and-shut case for
3: Tis the Law? Uh, It's really tough not to say it. There are ways you can look at this race, numerically quantifying what they look like on paper, uh, the thoroughgraph numbers, the buyer speed figures, where you can put horses with Tis the Law in that discussion, but the eyeball test just blows every single one of those up. I mean, he... He's just the total package, and it's not the times he's running, it's the way he's doing it. And, you know, physically, he's just such an imposing animal, and he's versatile. He checks every box for a superstar. Uh, and I think, you know, at the end of his, you know, campaign and his career, we're going to talk. I think he's every bit as good as American Pharaoh or Justify or California Chrome or one of these super horses we've seen in the last 10 years. I think he's certainly, through this point, accomplished enough to put him right there in the conversation with them. And we have two more legs of the triple crown to go to see where it puts him in history. But I mean, I think he's he is he is the real deal, and by all accounts and measures.
0: I mean, I was there when Justify won the Belmont and American Pharoah, and obviously, we all followed their careers throughout. This, like you say, strikes me a lot more of American Pharaoh than Justify. Justify to me sounded like a flash in the pan this horse has done everything just as picture perfect. And that means workouts and training and his appearance, everything just is as picture perfect as you could possibly draw it
3: up. Yeah. And, and that's pretty accurate. Um, the only, the only time he wasn't perfect was when he was third in the, in the Kentucky jockey club at his final start as a, as a two year old. And look, the the track was, was really sloppy. It was sealed that day. It was far and away his worst effort. And, he wasn't terrible. I mean, he finished third that day as the odds on favor behind silver Prospector. He was a real nice horse, but other than that, I mean, yeah, he's been flawless. And the other thing I'll add to it is there doesn't seem to be a scenario that a race can throw at him where he has a weakness. I mean, there's some horses where, look, American Pharaoh, when he lost the Travers, he was pressed by Frosted. I think Kieran said that wasn't necessarily part of the game plan for him to go that fast that early. And Frosted is a fantastic, great one winner. And he pushed Farrow to go faster than he was comfortable and just kind of set it up for Keeney to come flying late and Farrow's going on the second, but there was a weakness there, right? There was that one way that you could get him out of his game. Um, no one else ever did it, but you know, there was a, I don't know how you get to a law out of his game. I don't know what you do. He blows the start by five lengths. He still can cruise and pass horses. You know, you, you, you want to go and try to run at him early. That's fine. He's got a gear. He's probably faster than most of the horses he's facing and he doesn't need the lead. He can move, in a fashion where he clicks off fast fractions effortlessly, and that's the thing is when you when you look at him on paper, yeah, maybe there's some horses there, but once you when you watch how he does it, it's just he's a different kind of animal, and he really is special. So look, he's going to be three to five. He, he's likely going to win. I'm not going to end the conversation there. I think there is there's a lot to chew on beyond that, and and perhaps if if he were to get beat, you there's a handful of horses that are really nice in here. I know we lost Charlton and Nadal and that kind of changed in three-year-old picture. But uh, there are some really nice horses in there running against him. Um, it's not an indictment on them that Pinsola is going to be a short favorite. It's just he's that good.
0: Could you beat him with authentic and New York traffic who will start not far away from him trying to cook him the way Frosted
3: cooked American Pharaoh? Okay, so New York traffic is interesting to me. He's never been a horse that I really love but he actually has the fastest third draft number last time out of anybody in the field. He ran a negative three quarters, right? It's so almost a negative full point in perspective. His laws run that number twice in the Holy Bull and the Florida Derby, but his coming off a negative quarter. I mean, we're talking about a half a point difference between the two horses, but it is worth mentioning that New York Graphic did run the fastest number of anybody last time out. Authentic actually ran a slower number, but he had, he had the lead of that day. So he didn't cover as much ground as New York traffic. New York traffic was sitting outside of him. So that's why the numbers were a little bit different, but I, I will say, even if they do that, I, I don't think it matters. I think he can, I think he can rate. I mean, he's done it before. I think he can sit off of them, you know, do what he did in the Belmont and just sit third if, if they want to try to cook him. But you know, New York traffic, who's 21 on the morning line is one of those horses that I do think, you know, if someone were to beat him, he is certainly in the conversation. I think it's, you know, those two you just mentioned, King Guillermo, because of that race he ran at the Tampa Bay Derby, can you do that at a mile and a quarter is a little bit of a question. I, I think it might, it might, the conversation might end with those horses, but it's interesting once you get past people law.
0: King Guillermo's coming off a long layoff with connections who are not used to performing on a stage of this size. Granted, there won't be 150,000 people there. What do you think about that long layoff? I don't think any horses won the Derby off more than a 42-day layoff. This horse is going three months between races.
3: Yeah, I don't like it. I don't necessarily think that that's the best way to do it, and I don't know why they made that decision, but they made that decision very quickly after the Arkansas Derby. They hadn't really thought about— because originally they were going to go Tampa Bay Derby to the Kentucky Derby, before the Derby was rescheduled. So they had always wanted that gap from March to May. They always wanted to give him a couple of months. And then they decided to go from May all the way to September. I think the trainer knows his horse and knows that this horse runs his best shot fresh, right? He ran that Tampa Bay Derby off of a layoff from November. I just don't think they want to train on the horse. I think they want – I don't think they want to race him. I think they want to train him into his races, and that's where they feel they have their best shot. I don't like the move, but I think they're doing it for a reason. And I don't necessarily think you can conclude it's soundness issues. I think that's just how they know their horse and that's what they want. He hasn't missed a beat training. He's been pretty consistent. Um, Stan Bray is kind of has a relationship with, with the connections there. And he, he you know, Victor Martinez, who's time nothing about baseball before he came to the U.S. and that his seven-year-old son baseball player and simon's like the foremost baseball expert at tvg now he's just dragged right in so um him and victor martinez have formed a friendship here because you know victor's getting into the thoroughbred game and he got into it with a great great racehorse in, in king guillermo so simon's been keeping the breast of king guillermo throughout this we've been getting a lot of updates both on the air and then you know behind the scenes. There, there's nothing wrong with the horse they just like his chances better when he runs fresh they know that's his best shot and so Kentucky Derby qualified. I think they said, okay, let's just train him into the race. That's all we need to do.
0: Now, he is one of the potential bombs away horses that could inflate an exacta behind "Tis the Law. Obviously, there are only two other horses entering here below 10 to 1, and I don't like Authentic to get a mile and a quarter, and he's one of those, so throw him out. So unless Honor AP finishes second, which he certainly could, you're going to have bombs away here underneath tis the law so we mentioned king guillermo another one of the wise guy horses i've heard is enforceable a lot of people like enforceable at 30 to 1 to come flying late what are your thoughts on him
3: yeah if if the horse is back into him sure i think my problem with enforceable is we kind of know what he is right he breaks his maiden i mean this is i love Marcassi. i think he's one of the best horsemen anywhere in the world i I really am a big fan of his work so don't take this as me second guessing Marquez. I think they actually did right by this, but he breaks his maiden. And look at the next six races he runs. Breeders Futurity, Kentucky Jockey Club, LeCompre's prison Star, Louisiana Derby, Bluegrass. I mean, you want to talk about getting thrown to the wolves. So they know how good this horse is. But at this point, I think the best we've seen from those six races, he's raced 10 times in his life, is the best we're going to get on the first Saturday May. This is who he is. This is the horse. And I don't see any of those races being good enough get close to Tisola, and I don't think any of those races are good enough to beat some of the more legit horses in here. I have him way down, way down the ladder, to be honest with you. I think there's potential. You know, I think even a horse like Max Player, like he has upside potential because he's only raced five times. He's in a new barn now, so Steve Asmussen can kind of tighten the screws on him. I think a horse like Money Moves is really interesting to me for Todd Fletcher. I don't... If if he wins, this is going to be the greatest training feat of Todd Fletcher's career. But... You know, they had Dr. Post not going in the derby, and I think that was a horse who was going to take some to play. And he was he was kind of their guy, or he was their horse for a while. Money moves, though, kind of slides into the Fletcher camp. And he's only made three starts. Two of them wins. Second going a mile and eighth at Saratoga, which is fine. That's not the race they really wanted to win, and he had trouble that day. There's a lot of excuses. Now, we lost to Prioritize, who so would be a million to one in this race, and so let's not get ahead of ourselves. But if you want to bomb in there, this is a horse who's got some natural speed. He can certainly pass horses. He's not going to be on the lead, but he's going to be tactical. So the real question is fitness. Well, you've got one of the best trainers, and think about top Toplaker. He never brings a horse to the races that's not ready, right? That's why he's such a good race record with two-year-olds. He has such a good record with horses coming off the layoffs. He goes to training on them. He trains them hard, and they are fit. with some of the fittest horses in the world. So he should be able to get it. He's by Candy Ride, proud citizen on the bottom, not a citizen advocate. There's nothing about this colt that tells me a mile and a quarter is not in a There's nothing about this colt that tells me he's not going to be ready for this race. You know, Tom Pledger doesn't just run him to run him. He runs him to win. That's the horse who I think is not really on anybody's radar. He's lightly raced, and he could improve big time.
0: We are speaking with the indomitable, the inimitable, the irrepressible Mike Joyce of TVG here on In the Gate. So glad to have him here. Now, we talked about horses that are coming off a big layoff like King Guillermo. Let's move over to the Kentucky Oaks, which will be run Friday and to me is a more interesting race than the Derby, and you have a horse that's just the opposite there in Swiss Skydiver who has put forth a couple of big efforts, the last of which came three weeks ago in the Alabama, and I know she was geared down at the end, but still, a big effort in a Grade one. What's left in the tank for Swiss Skydiver to take on Gamine and Speech and She Dares the Devil in the Kentucky Oaks? Well,
3: she might be the best horse in there, and not by virtue of that performance in the Alabama and her standing Oaks and her fantasy. And, I mean, she's so dominant against the Phillies. That second to Art Collector, I mean, she ran her face off that day. And Art Collector is an outstanding horse. Don't forget, he comes off of that with a win in his next start, and that put him firmly in the Derby picture. And people, I mean, the, the Bluegrass would put him in the Derby picture, but people really thought he was going to be the biggest challenge to the law. Unfortunately, he's not going because he's a minor injury. Tom Drury, I'll tell you this, Tom Drury deserves a lot of credit for not pushing our collector into the derby because that is an injury that you can, for the most part, run a horse on and not exacerbate it. And that is an injury that I think there are plenty of trainers that would have rolled the dice and tried to go. But, I mean, he's very respectful of the horse. He doesn't want the horse to be compromised in any way, shape, or form on this kind of a stage. And I think he's also a very careful horseman. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. So shout out to the Drury Camp for that. But Swiss Skydiver runs second to perhaps what many people thought was the second best three-year-old Colt in the country behind his law. And not only that, at the top of the stretch, we watched that bluegrass. She looked like she had every bit of a chance after having the lead, carving out those fractions early. They didn't go, you know, tremendously fast. But at a mile and eight, the team went 46 and three. That, look, I know it was a fast track this summer, but that was that was legit. And she had to hold on in there and, and finish second that was a big run. I think, you know, she very well could be the best horse in there. Am I worried about the campaign? Not really. Um, she, you know, August 15th to Labor Day, that should be fine. And, and the way she won the Alabama, I mean, she, she was geared down. It was, it was as easy as they come. So I, I think she's going to be tough. I haven't, I haven't finalized my pick there. Um, I have all the respect in the world for Gamine. I have all the respect in the world for what Bob Baffert can do. And even though she has not on the distance of a mile and eighth yet, but I, I'm I'm leaning Swiss Swiss skydiver at this point.
0: Where do you put speech in there? I mean, speech was coming at Gamine in Oaklawn, the result notwithstanding with the disqualification. What
3: likelihood does she have to upset both of them? You kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, she's really the wild card in here, right? Because her her last three races, she wins a grade one and then two losses to Swiss skydiver and, and Gamine. She's a very nice horse. She, you know, that, that race that she won in the Ashland, she beat Phoenician Harbor, who, first time out at Del Mar, I thought we were looking at a the next superstar. Phoenician Harbor's actually just, she's just been okay. Like, she's a really nice horse. She's a, a legit grade two, grade one performer, but I don't know how she stacks up to the rest of these. So, her win comes over Gamine. Her prior win over that was to, you know, Princess Mo and Del Mar Grandma. So, who has she really beaten in her actual win, is the question with her? But I will say this, I think with Swiss, Swiss Skydiver, we know what she's made of. We know what she's going to get. And her best right now might be the best race that anybody in this field can run. I don't know that we've seen Speeches best. She's one I still feel like Mike McCarthy could coax a little more out of her because of that lead-up from July into this weekend. He's had plenty of time to work with her. She's been training at Del Mar and training sensationally at Del Mar. I haven't seen that last work at Churchill, but she's always been a really nice workhorse. She's the one that I don't know if I'm going to land there, but if I did go outside the big two, that's probably where you have to look.
0: What a great weekend. And oh, by the way, Monomoy Girl is in action. There's a lot of oh, by the ways on a great weekend like this. But thank you so much, Mike Joyce, for doing this. We have got to do this again at some point soon and maybe even in person.
3: Barry, anytime Pleasure to do it. And thank you so much for having me on.
0: Our thanks once again to Mike Joyce and to Manny Franco. His great-grandfather was the main caretaker for the legendary Man-O-War, whom Will Harbett used to call the mostest hoss. Physically and spiritually, the two were inseparable. To see Man-O-War, you had to go through the boss. Will's son, Tom Harbett, groomed a derby winner and later owned one, though his name was never listed officially. Not only that, but Harbett couldn't watch his horse run in person, he didn't fit the profile racially. This year, Tom Harbert's grandson Greg is a co-owner of Necker Island, who's in the Derby, albeit a long shot. In a year of social upheaval, a Derby victory for Greg in a town at the center of change would say a lot. Louisville is where Brianna Taylor lost her life, but where the Harbert family made its bones. Their heritage represented in a century of racing, with inclusion as its overlying tone. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please take a minute to rate and review the show. It really would help others find us, including the Mensa members at America's Best Racing, who for some reason left us out last year in their finalists for Best Podcast in their Fan Choice Awards. Don't let that happen this year. Let them know through social media, Facebook, Twitter, at ABR Racing, and let them know that we belong there this year. You can follow me on Twitter at b Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this podcast. I'm Barry Abrams. We hope this note finds you safe and healthy as you listen to this, and we'll see you next time.